Hi, this is Jason Lee, pastor of Casper Alliance Church. This is week 14 of our fall series going through the book of Acts. One of our key leaders who does coaching and discipleship stuff at our church, Chris, is teaching today. I uh, hope you have a great time listening to it. I hope you've enjoyed this uh, walk through Acts, this overview of Acts. If you'd like to know more about Casper Alliance Church, you can check us out at casperchurch.com or you can download our app on your device. Go to the your store, your app store, search for Casper Alliance Church, download the app with the double C's, you'll connect with us there. Hey, have a great week. Thanks. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Janae. <clears throat> I make it a habit when I'm preaching to ask God to bring the people that need to hear the message here. So I don't find it any coincidence that we have the lowest attendance services when I preach. But on the plus side, you're probably supposed to be here today. So let's pray. Father, uh, just thank you for your word. Thank you for people like Paul who went before us and did such hard things, suffered so much that we could have the gospel that we have today in the form that we have it. Just pray that your Holy Spirit would take the message, take my words, take your words, and just apply it to our hearts in the ways we need to hear it today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're wrapping up our series on Acts. And at the beginning of Acts, it started with Jesus giving his message to his disciples and saying, Go and take this message to the uttermost parts of the world. And in an ironic twist, we find the very first missionary of the church in prison on the last verse of the book of Acts, and it ends right there. <laughs> so take this message to the end of the earth, and then here's your missionary. We're going to put him in prison, and that's how it ends. And it's, it's kind of funny, a lot of a lot of ancient texts kind of end very abruptly like that, the ones that are recording history, I found. But what's ironic about that is that the persecution on God's people, the imprisonment, um, it, it doesn't stop the gospel. And what we're going to talk about today is prisons. Paul being in prison. I was trying to figure out how to start the sermon and... Last night, it kind of came to me, about once a year, roughly, my wife and I like to pay homage to the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah, right? And, and so last night, we're, well, we, we decided this time we were going to watch the extended version, so we probably won't finish them until sometime next year. <laughs> but last night, we came to this part where uh, a lady named Eowyn, she, she's the niece of the king of Rohan, and she's practicing with her sword, and up walks the future king of Gondor, and he comments on how well her sword skills are. And they, they have a little dialogue there, and he, she, she says, you know, why she's practicing, and she says, I'm not fee afraid of pain or death. And he goes, well, what are you afraid of? And this was her answer. She says, a cage to stay behind bars until youth and old age accept them and all chance of doing great deeds is gone beyond recall or desire. 
what she was talking about in the movie was she didn't want to be stuck at home while all the men were out doing the fighting. They were doing the battle, and she was stuck at home. And to her, that was a cage. And while we might not be able to relate to Paul's prison, most of us here, I think we can relate to the kind of prison Eowyn was talking about. The kind of prison that keeps you from doing what you want to do because someone or something is limiting your life and you feel trapped. And it's a prison we all experience and live in on probably multiple levels. A prisoner, in this sense, is a person who is or feels confined or trapped by a situation or a set of circumstances. So let me give you a few examples of what I mean. Um, I don't go to the eye doctor unless I have to, so I visited him about a week ago because what you will notice is that when I'm reading, I have to take my glasses off. But if I want to see John and make sure he's paying attention to me, i got to put my glasses on, right? Now, I thought this meant that my eyes were getting better, so I'm like, well, I need to go into the eye doctor and get a lower prescription because I don't have to wear my glasses to read my paper. My eye doctor had a different opinion. In fact, I believe his words were, yep, you're officially 40. (laughs) Evidently, for some reason, when you turn 40, your eyes flip a switch and say, yeah, we're not going to work as hard anymore. So this transition from using your prescription to see far away to reading close up, yeah, we're done. So so I have have progressive lenses on order. They're coming. They're not here yet. So you may find me kind of taking my glasses off and on, right? But it's a limitation. It keeps me from doing some things because I can't see as well. Health can be a prison of ours. Another prison is wealth. There's a story of Jesus with a rich man, and this rich man comes and says, Hey, Jesus, how do I get eternal life? And Jesus says, Well, follow these commandments. And he goes through a few, not through all of them. I find it interesting. I'm wondering if he just hit the commandments he knew the rich man already obeyed. And the rich man says, All right, I'm already following all those. What more do I need to do? And Jesus says, well, here, go, sell all your possessions, give all your money to the poor, and come and follow me. I imagine at that point the rich man's thinking, why did I ask that question? Because he couldn't do it. He depended too much on his wealth. Now, I've never been wealthy. I don't think most of us here have ever been real wealthy. I know some people might be. But what I have found by talking to wealthy people and those who are in wealthy circles is that as your money grows, your security doesn't necessarily grow. In fact, the more money you have, the more you realize circumstances beyond your control can take them from you. So you begin to get more and more worried and concerned of how to protect the money because like all of us, Our lifestyle depends on the wealth that we have. But our wealth can be a prison. Another prison is comfort and convenience. In ancient cultures, only the wealthiest of the kings could have slaves hired to fan them all day or have farmers grow food, a chef prepare it, and somebody bring it right to their table. Only the wealthiest of the wealthy people in some cultures were able to hire dancers to come to entertain them for the evening. Okay? Like, like, like this is the richest of the rich people in some cultures. That's the only people that experience those things. Nowadays, on a very modest income, I can sit on my couch and say, Hey, Alexa, set the thermostat to 68, order Domino's pizza, please have it delivered, and by the way, turn on Dancing with the Stars while you're at it. I I say that because I think that's Larry's favorite show there. (laughs) 
right? We have so many comforts and conveniences. And yet, we are so frustrated because we're not comfortable enough. Life isn't convenient enough. So I got to go and buy the newest technology because the commercials say, hey, I deserve it. It's a prison that we can find ourselves in, a prison of convenience and comfort that we never quite have enough, and it keeps us from doing the things we want to do. Other prisons, jobs, bosses who don't understand us, families, marriages where you feel more alone with your spouse than you do with your, the, apart from your spouse, kids that don't obey. Even church ministry can feel like a prison when the people you're ministering to and for feel like they're holding you back from what you feel like you're supposed to do. So we, we go through a lot of effort to try to break out of these prisons. There is no limit to how many methods and ways are online and YouTube videos teaching us and telling us, this is how you get out of this prison. And yet... As much as we try to apply these things, I don't find that we tend to ever escape these prisons. It's because the methods are born within the prisons themselves. I'll give you an example. I invest for my future. I put money into the stock market. Why? Trying to prepare for my future security because I'm concerned about my financial future. But investing doesn't make me more secure. It actually makes me focus more on how much money I don't have yet. Because the method is not apart from the prison itself. You can't live in freedom from a prison using a method that is connected directly to the prison you're in. And I find that at all levels. So the Bible speaks of freedom, and yet we live in these prisons that we are trying to get free from. The methods we employ might help us feel more comfortable, right? Like, I was, I was sharing this with my wife this morning. I said, you know what I kind of think of? Like the difference between Alcatraz and the Mayberry Jail. Anybody here Andy Griffith fans? We love Andy Griffith at our house, especially the old black and white era with Barney Fife. You, and, and one of the running jokes, right, of Andy Griffith was this guy named Otis who'd get drunk every week because he didn't want to go home to his nagging wife, and drunk means he had to go to jail. So he'd go check himself into jail and spend the night there. Well, the jail at Mayberry had bed sheets that were, you know, cleaned every day, had nice doilies hanging on the walls, a rug, and B cooked a fresh hot meal Morning, noon, and night for whoever was in jail there. It was as m close to being at home as you could get. Whereas someplace like Alcatraz is a nine by five concrete cell with cold water and one toilet, and that's your existence. And I feel like the methods we use to try to escape our prisons don't actually get us out of our prisons. More, they make it a little more comfortable for us. Like, like instead of Alcatraz, it's like the Mayberry jail that we can handle, you know? And so we do it. And I'm not necessarily discounting those methods. Like I said, I, I use these too. I invest. I do these things. What I'm saying is that it is not where true freedom is found. The secret to never feeling like a prisoner. Okay, here it comes. You got it? Drum roll somewhere? The secret to not feeling like a prisoner. I better read this to make sure I get it right. 
is to make your truest desire that which no prison can hold. Let that settle for a second. The secret to never feeling like a prisoner is to make sure the thing you want is something that the prison can't hold in. The only way to truly live free is to make your purpose in life about that which no chain can hold. It's not about breaking free from the prisons. It's about being about something that those prisons can't stop in your life. Glasses back on. Paul, during his imprisonment in Rome, this exact time we just read about, wrote four, at least four of the letters of the New Testament during that time. So some of the passages I'm going to read, including this next one, are words that he wrote while imprisoned in Rome. This is Philippians 1, 12 through 18. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Does that sound like a man limited by prison? For Paul, freedom was found in the opportunity to preach the gospel. Think about that for a second. The opportunity to preach the gospel. His life was so devoted to the message of who Jesus is and what Jesus could do for your life that everything he did was about that, and nothing could stop that. Not prison, not out of prison. When your life is about something that prisons can't hold, it doesn't matter your situation. You are free because you are doing what you want to do. See, Jesus has done his part. He's died. He's lived the life of suffering. He showed us the way. He gives us the message. Our struggle now is that we need to believe living with him is the most important thing we can do today. That's the key to being free, to being outside the prisons. When we start to make life about the other stuff, that's when we feel trapped. You know why? Because that other stuff is dependent on other people and circumstances. They're the jail holders. They're the ones holding the keys to your prison. I once had a business trip, this had to be 10 years ago, and I turned on the television one evening, and I remember seeing an evangelist, and he said some words that I will never forget. He said, God owes me nothing. Doesn't seem too big of a deal. Why would those words hit me so hard? Because this man had no arms and no legs, and he was propped up on the tabletop, 
And he looked at the audience and he said, God owes me nothing. You know how powerful of a testimony that is? Here's a man who has every right to feel imprisoned in life. And he lived like he was free. And people heard it and they said, I want what he's got. There's actually a lot of stories about prisons in the book of Acts. And I want to share one with you. But before I do, I want you to think about a prison that you have. Because we all have them. What is something that you feel life or God or other people are keeping you from doing that you want to do? What's a prison of yours? I'm going to read this story, and I want you to think about this in terms of your prison. This is from Acts chapter 16, verses 22 through 31. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered from them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaking. At once, all the prisoner doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew a sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Paul and Silas were given the opportunity to leave the prison, but they didn't. Why? Would you be willing to stay in your prison for the gospel's sake? True freedom is found when you can do whatever you want without hindrance. And only the person of Jesus Christ gives us that opportunity. Salvation isn't just the ticket that we receive for eternity. Salvation is also what the person of Jesus Christ does us for right now. You see, the gospel isn't just a way to heaven. The gospel is the method of freedom right now. Amen. How do you pull a Houdini on the chains that hold you? You give the keys to Jesus. You make your greatest desire the furthering of the gospel message. When your desire is in alignment with God's, Every promise of the Bible, some guy counted up over 7,000. Every promise of the Bible is yours for the taking. Let me give you a few of those. 
1 John 3, 21 through 23, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is the command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. Isaiah 26, 3, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Psalm 37, 23 through 24, The Lord makes Firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Isaiah 43, 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. If we would get our eyes off the prison walls and onto Jesus... You can live a life of freedom like you wouldn't believe. And all those promises are available to you. The person of Jesus Christ isn't just our ticket to freedom. He is our method of freedom. A while back, my family took a trip to Omaha. We got a plane trip there because, well, they were, my family was piggybacking with me on a business trip. So I was going to Sioux City, they went with me, but we went all the way to Omaha to go to the Omaha Zoo there. Very cool zoo, by the way, highly recommend. Nori was just a baby, and from the plane, tri- from the plane trip, I think from Casper all the way to Omaha, like something like two, two and a half hours, Nori screamed, I didn't just cry, she screamed the entire flight there. Of course, my wife's doing everything she can to calm her down. I had it a little easier because I was sitting in a different seat on the plane, and so I was able to be more empathetic with the other passengers around me. You know, I was like, this lady would just shut up her kid, right? It's a gift of mine to put myself in other people's shoes and to really feel what they're feeling. But I think when we buy a ticket for a plane, most of us know the possibilities of what can happen 40,000 feet in the air, and we're just hoping to get to the end. We just want to get to the destination. We buy the ticket, and we just need to get to the end of the plane trip. A different type of trip is one I've always wanted to take, which is a train trip. You know, you buy one of those scenic train trips where you have a destination you're going to, but it's not just about the destination, it's about the entire journey. And I think salvation, I think the gospel message of the person of Jesus is about the entire journey. And sometimes we like, I got my ticket, I just need to survive until I get to the end. And we create the prisons for ourselves because we we want something here and we want something there. Instead of saying, maybe this is where Jesus has me. And if I would look around and understand how he's meeting me here, I would have a message for the fellow prisoners around me. Paul lived under threat in almost every city he went to. You know where he wasn't under threat? These two years in Rome, think about that. 
See, I think that guard probably sat outside Paul's house because Paul was under like a house arrest kind of thing. And he had the freedom to have people come and go and pretty much do whatever he wanted. I think that guard thought he was keeping Paul indoors. I think God put that guard there to keep all the other threats out. The Jewish synagogue, other Roman people who wanted him dead. Paul had two years of nothing but a peaceful ministry. He could write, he could talk, he could speak without worried about his life. What if our prisons are the exact situation God has put us in to provide the right atmosphere for us to preach his message? What kind of freedom would that mean for you if you could see it that way? I had a Philippians verse, and that's what I'm looking for as I skipped out. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. For I have learned, this is Paul, again, writing from his imprisonment. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How is that possible? Because nothing could stop what he desired to do most. Preach the message of Jesus Christ. When our prisons are what is keeping us from what we want... They will never be anything more than prisons. But when you learn to shift your desire to being about the person of Jesus, like that is what you want. You want to meet Jesus where you are, and you want to be so transformed by that, you want to share him with other people. When that is your mentality, your prison becomes your podium. Your incarceration becomes your independence. And the people around you look at you and say, I don't get it, but I want to hear about it. The person of Jesus Christ is not just our ticket to freedom. He is our method of freedom. But we have to be willing to travel on whatever way his train takes us. I'm going to read a closing passage here as I ask the worship team to come back up. Many of you guys will be familiar with this. It's where Jesus comes into the synagogue and he's handed the scroll of Isaiah and he reads from it. And listen to the words because they are meaningful to your life right now. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll 
gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Mm -hmm. 